Hello and welcome everyone to episode 111 of the App TV's podcast. I'm your host Chris Rogers and this week's episode will focus on the App news for the period between April 30th and May 6th, 2023, which will be about the recent webinar update on tooling and production. Hello everyone, I hope that you all had a great week. This week's episode is going to focus entirely on the recent webinar led by Aptera's co-CEOs Chris Anthony and Steve Fambro, which occurred last Thursday, May 4th. May the 4th be with all of us. I'm going to go through the presentation using audio clips along with various, or highlights and points that stood out to me. I've done a similar thing in the past where there will be audio from the, the overall webinar that I've maybe edited slightly and then I've, I'm going to add my commentary on the end. And so kicking things off because there's a lot to go through, I'm going to start with an update on the the overall fundraising and pre-orders for the vehicle. As a general overview, uh, we have over 42,000 pre-orders now. Um, I just looked this morning, every day they go up, yeah. uh, 42,862, uh, something like that. Uh, just like the accelerator program, every day you look and more people are joining the Eptera family um, and uh, embarking on this mission towards solar mobility with us. Uh, we've raised um, a considerable amount of money from over 16,000 investors now. Uh, so thank you to everyone who has contributed uh, to the cause. And those people that have you know, skin in the game um, are now hopefully out telling the Eptera story and inspiring more people to make reservations and invest in Eptera and all the things that will you know, help push us to production. Uh, and we've started uh, working on the CEC grant, uh, $22 million, which has already started uh, to match funding for some of the equipment that you see behind us here. Um, and it will help uh, pay for some of the solar and battery production equipment that we'll have here uh, in this facility very soon. So judging by that number of 42,000 pre-orders, it would seem that the rate of pre-orders has slowed down a bit. For a while there, there was about 1,000 new pre-orders coming in each month, but that the rate is still growing steadily, and, and it really illustrates to me again, you know, 42,000 vehicles. Those are pre-orders. Those are not actual production vehicles that people have actually followed through through with. But if you compare that rate of pre-orders to other electric vehicle startups, it's, it's really an impressive number. And for me, it it undermines the arguments that there's either not a, mar- a market for vehicles that are shaped differently or that have three wheels. You wouldn't be seeing this steady growth in pre-orders if there wasn't some sort of massive untapped market that I believe exists, and I think that Aptera is going to address. And those, and the fundraising stats, you know, I don't talk about them that much, but those are nothing to sniff at either, and they're, they're very important. You know, $90 million raised thus far um, towards production is very significant. The, the next clip is going to be a, a longer overview um, of the the sort of sustainability components in in uh, or the, the intent to reduce the overall footprint or carbon footprint and environmental impact of the manufacturing facility. So take a listen. We uh, we really have a focus uh, here at Aptera of having the least environmental impact in our production, and uh, we hear clanking um, <laughs> on the roof every day. Uh, and we're installing solar uh, on this building uh, that we're at here in Carlsbad, uh, and it will be great to have our facility here uh, solar powered, uh, along with the production facility that just uses a lot less to get the vehicle into manufacture and doesn't have a paint shop. 
but we don't need to paint it because we're going to be using vinyl wrap. So um, a typical automotive plant can spend 40 to 50% of their capex just on the paint shop. And 80% of the environmental emissions from that facility can come just from the paint shop. So we eliminated paint. So we don't atomize any solvents, uh, it doesn't go into the air, just a much more environmentally manufacturing production facility. But uh, you know, one of the things that goes to make this plant and this example of a plant um, scalable anywhere in the world is the fact that there's virtually no capital improvement required on the building. So this is an 80,000 square foot building here in Carlsbad. It could be located in any state or in any country with virtually no work necessary for the building. In fact, uh, I don't know if you can see on the camera, probably not, but the blue tape line around the floor is the line that the robots will follow to bring the vehicle to different stages of assembly. That's about the largest requirement that's needed for the building besides some power, uh, power upgrades or uh, bringing power out to the line. So it's a, it's a pretty uh, simple way of expanding the factory without massive amounts of capital compared to traditional automotive assembly. And what that means is we can duplicate this facility all around the world. So um, San Diego, San Francisco, um, Houston, uh, Georgia, Virginia, Australia, UK, the Netherlands. Um, you know, you can find a 100,000 square foot building, uh, 10,000 square meter building anywhere in the world very quickly. Uh, so when we start to branch out and really build our capacity, uh, we can take this plant and we can duplicate it anywhere in the world very, very quickly. And we're having those conversations all around the world. I had no idea that Aptera was planning on integrating solar into their facility, but you know that may have seemed more obvious to those looking at a company that's focused entirely on solar mobility, that if they've done all this work in towards of in seeing the value of solar integration, that why not integrate that into their overall building? You know, certainly that could help them, you know, I don't know, you know, if they, they have time of use rates, but it could maybe help reduce the overall demand charges if they use a large facility and you know basically there's no no resource wasted in the same way of you know if we have an efficient car why not put solar on it if we have an efficient facility why not put solar on it we can use that large fusion reactor in the sky to reduce our overall bills but there are a number of other cool components that were in that that update um you know beyond just the integration of solar which is which is very cool um, significantly for me was that that part in the end about the ability to build duplicate facilities across the United States and around the globe. You know, it's so they, they focus on solar integration. They're going with the wrap, which was a controversial decision instead of having a, a, a paint facility, which is going to dramatically reduce their capital expenditures. But also it will reduce concerns about permitting emissions and toxic materials and it just all makes it easier for them to set up these facilities which you know they've said in the past and in the back of my mind i've said well you know those are those are really down the line i don't know how they're going to do that but you know good for them to have those ambitions but chris and steve really sort of articulated how that's possible in that you know there's no real capital improvements that are required in these these facilities these these minimally invasive facilities it's, it's functionally no different from having an office building. If they can find the space, they just need to tape out the different lines on the floor for the autonomous guided vehicles to carry the parts around. They ship the parts to those new locations and then they'll they'll have a new assembly facility. So, so pretty cool stuff there. The next clip is gonna be about the overall capital efficiency of Aptera as a company. You know, the thing about the Aptera body uh, that's really transformative from a cost perspective 
is we don't have to have the tools to jig and fixture 200 parts to weld together. We've got about six parts that are critical in the alignment and the body structure. Uh, so, so dealing with six parts is, is so fundamentally different than dealing with 200 parts from the storage, the dunnage, uh, the fixturing and jigs. And so that means if we design, let's say the next vehicle even, with the same strategy and ethos, we'll need a fraction of the capital costs it would take to bring a typical car into production. So that's why we, our capital needs, and Chris just said we've done so much for the 90 million or so we've raised, and the reason we've been able to do so much for the 90 million that we've raised is because this vehicle, the way it's designed from the ground up, just requires fundamentally less capital to build and to assemble. I included that clip there because I think there's a point that bears repeating for for those who are looking at Aptera as a company. They're comparing them to other electric vehicle startups and they're questioning how is Aptera going to come to market without billions of dollars in in backing and beyond just billion dollars of backing. But when they talk about their overall targets, there's so much less than what you see with other electric vehicle startups. And so how is that possible? You know, what are what are they doing that other companies cannot? And and what what you kind of hear there is, is this comes down to their overall design uh, philosophy. You know, it's the benefits of efficiency. When you go from 200 parts to six parts, there's orders of magnitude less in capital investment required. And that has real benefits. And so, you know, Steve is alluding to this when he's talking about how this is going to aid development of future vehicles. It's what they're they're not doing what everyone else is trying to do and so for a company like aptera 90 million dollars means a lot more when you don't have to store hundreds or thousands and thousands of parts to build these overhead gantries and all these sort of complicated structures to deal with it's just an, an incredibly complicated manufacturing process aptera doesn't have to do that and so they they don't require the same sort of capital investment that that ex- you know, it comes always comes back to efficiency. Efficiency explains why they don't have the same sort of capital needs. The next clip is where Steve and Chris explain why they switched to CPC composites and the value to Aptera. This has sort of been covered before, but I, I like this succinct explanation. You know, when Chris and I first started the company, uh, the only way, only thing we knew about composites was resin fusion and, and using glass fiber, carbon mm-hmm. fiber, and stretching out the fiber in a way that works great for boats. Uh, but it's very difficult to scale from an automotive perspective. I don't know about great. It works. <laughs> it made very compelling boats. But the, the problem that we saw was it just takes a lot of labor. A person has to physically lay the cloth right. into the mold. A person has to physically bag that part. And then resin infusion, the cycle time, you had to leave the part under bag for like four hours after you infuse the part. So the resin would flow through the part and you have to wait for it to cure. Now, that's just untenable if you want to make twenty to 150,000 vehicles a year because you'd have to have so many molds sitting around for four-hour cure times that it would just you wouldn't be able to manage that many parts. And even with our new UV cure stuff, we can still pull a traditional part in 10 minutes, but there's a lot of labor involved. Yeah. The way this is fundamentally different is the carbon fiber and the plastics, are they look like Play-Doh, and they're pre-measured, and they go into the mold, and it squeezes it shut and heats it up. And the evenness of that heating is, is very important. And so that's part of what they're ensuring here with uh, the holes that you see drilled in here and also the application of the sensors. But uh, the advantage is, is that it closes and a few minutes later, a part comes out that requires virtually no handwork. Yeah, I, really, really cool aspect of CPC's part production that, that I noticed was that there's just no waste. 
they have less than 1% of waste in material. And that material that they do waste actually gets recycled back right. into future production parts. So uh, these parts are recyclable up to five times, which is amazing. Uh, that means that not only the waste from the production process can be recycled, but also in service um, after its useful life, the vehicle, the vehicle's body can be recycled up to five times, which is really cool. In a nutshell, it is faster and there's significantly less waste to use CPC's process versus the the earlier version of the, the resin infusion. And with only 1% waste for each mold that's then reused for future parts, it's also incredibly recyclable, um, which, which does not in include the fact that you can recycle the body of the Aptera up to five times. And that's something that I'm actually curious about because... You know, I have no idea how someone would go about recycling their vehicle. I don't know if Aptera themselves is going to maybe create some sort of buyback or discount program where if you turn in an old Aptera, you'll get a discount on future, basically encouraging people to return that to them. But it's not like, you know, if you have a car, you can just drive to the corner of, of any town and just drop off your car for carbon fiber recycling. So I, I have no idea how that would actually work, but in theory, that sounds really nice. Um, the next clip is going to be some clarifications on the tooling that they've recently completed and, and what that means for production. Just so everyone is clear, I mean, with these dies right here, uh, they can operate at least or even higher than our planned capacity, right? Mm -hmm. 20,000 vehicles a year, 10,000 vehicles per shift. Uh, so they are exactly what we need, not only to get through all of the all of the accelerator orders, but to the order backlog as well, and then to keep functioning for years beyond that. Yeah, the, these tools are all designed to produce more than 100,000 parts. Uh, some of the tools along the way, they'll need some servicing, they'll need some repolishing. Uh, things kind of happen to the molds over time, uh, but there's no reason that we could <clears throat> you know, have our first million Aptera on the road in the next decade with these tools that you're seeing right here. And I do think it's worth noting because Everyone's seen a lot of other electric vehicle startups and they kind of see their path to production. And, you know, we've made amazing progress towards production and now producing production tools. But these are production tools. Right. They're not these, soft tools. They're not... These aren't pre-production tools, validation tools. Like the, these tools that you see here will produce the body size for your Aptera. Uh, there's no other step. There's no other, you know, next gate. Um, these tools will be commissioned in the coming months and they will produce the body sides for the Epteras that you will receive, um, you know, hopefully very soon. So that really explains why Aptera was so excited about announcing the completion of the first molds for those sections of the body. Aptera recently put out that video showing that these are the, this is it. This is what they have made. You know, there's, there's no additional steps and there are relatively minimal repairs that would be required in order to get up to you know a million parts from each of these molds, which would result in many times more number of vehicles than have currently been pre-ordered. So the future of the company is very much wrapped up in, in these molds and completing them is a very significant step. The next clip is going to be an update on the solar panels. Our solar team has made amazing progress uh, behind us here. Uh, really, you know, we, we had the first uh, production validation uh, with producing kind of 10 panels a day um, at our other shop. And now we're kind of streamlining our operations here um, and investigating really the production materials uh, mm -hmm. that we'll take to production. 
And since you last saw panels being made, uh, we've actually increased the durability of the panels. Uh, there's quite a bit more hardness, so the surface finish uh, is a lot nicer, a lot more luster. Um, it has more scratch resistance now, which, uh, which is great, um, and it's less reflective. Uh, we're also working with uh, materials groups on some coatings that uh, can have some, some real impact to our solar production, which we think is really cool. It's also more manufacturable. We don't have struggle with the uh, air bubbles and other artifacts yeah. that you see in the manufacturing process. So those are uh, basically non-existent in the new material. So. That's some more good news there, that they're continuing to make steady progress on the solar side which they have already started. They announced that they're producing a small number of panels each day, and now it looks like they're ironing out manufacturing and production issues, you know, figuring out, I guess they had some problems with bubbles forming in the lamination process. And, and so they're, they're figuring that out, which is something they're gonna have to do for every step of the vehicle. The next clip is, is going to be uh, an explanation of the sort of assistance that they're getting from CPC partners. Um, and we, uh, we just got back from Italy and we were hosted by CPC and got to bring in all our European um, uh, kind of suppliers there. And we got to show them the vision we have for Aptera and how we're pushing towards production and all the help that CPC is giving us. I think it was, uh, it was great to kind of show them how CPC really enables our path to production. Uh, we don't have to figure out how to make these body structures in high volume. We don't have to figure out how to, you know, assemble them and get them well toleranced and, you know, hang the doors. And, you know, there's a lot of issues that I've seen other vehicle um, startups have uh, getting into production. And we just kind of scrub all those off the table because right. CPC makes turnkey supercars, some of the most compelling vehicles in the world. Um, and they know how to tolerance doors. They know how to assemble uh, these parts. And they weren't only involved in the design of the parts, but they were you know, involved in how the tools were made, commissioning those tools, and then they will be responsible for pulling the first parts off of those tools and actually assembling them into a tolerant vehicle. And I think it's, a, it's just an amazing kind of uh, shortcut or advantage to us to be able to have their capabilities uh, with Aptera uh, in our path to production. So if it wasn't clear before, CPC is a massively important partner for Aptera in terms of getting to production for the vehicle. And and it's significant, you know, in, in one key way in which, you know, I've heard people ask about, you know, Chris and Steve, they've worked on a variety of startups before, but they've never worked at at an automotive company before. And so people look at the experience superficially at, at the board, you know, they're ignoring the experience of someone like Pablo Yukar, the, the VP of manufacturing. They're ignoring, there is key automotive industry experience on, on the team, but they look at the founders and they go, oh, you know, what what do they really know? But they're ignoring the assistance that they're, they're getting from key partners along the way, like CPC, which has, decades of experience in the automotive industry and is using that experience to to help Aptera. You know, there's one point in the webinar where I think you know, Steve mentioned that that CPC has worked on cars that are able to go 200 miles an hour and Aptera is benefiting from that knowledge and know-how with their skill in, in making perfect composites that that fit together and are well designed. And they also have experience with with some very high volume part production. But they're, the help that they're doing and, and the way that Aptera is able to lean on them, 
you know, there there is a lot of technical of critical technical support that has gone into the design and development and ultimately there will be in part of the production of this vehicle that you should not ignore. The the next clip is going to be about the the ATVM loan application. That's the advanced technology vehicle manufacturing loan application or program from the Department of Energy. Um, our ATVM loan application, uh, you know, two, 214 pages of fun. Uh, uh, Dwayne uh, Gibson, um, a, a great help in, in getting this done, but our team too, uh, Blake and, um, you know, the rest Pablo. of the team, Sarah and Pablo all, you know, contributed <clears throat> to uh, make this application great. And it was, it's been a long time coming. It's, you know, it's been since uh, we started working on it last year. So, um, you know, the, uh, the DOE has a lot of, you know, information requests and we have to have, you know, kind of a fully flushed application. And there was kind of a lot of things in limbo, um, you know, before we pinned the Delta design. Uh, so, you know, how we were going to manage the supply chain, how Italy was going to fit into that, um, how much we were going to do in California uh, versus overseas. And obviously the Department of Energy wants to fund production and technologies here in the U.S. Uh, so we really had to have kind of a final, you know, um, plan mm -hmm. uh, to get the vehicle to production and all the pieces and parts that that entail. So this loan program is, is significant in and for a couple of reasons. The first, for, for those who are familiar with Aptera's history, you'll know that an application for Department of Energy funding was a key part in how the company, when in its initial formation, folded and went bankrupt back in 2011 or, or 2012. You know, Aptera made a number of compromises in order to become what they believe would allow them to become eligible for the Department of Energy funding you know, those compromises along the way and the overall vision, that caused co-CEO Steve Ambro and Chris Anthony to leave the company. And the management team worked very hard on obtaining this funding. And when they didn't get that, you know, this included a shift to a four-wheel vehicle. When that when that folded, there were it I'm some I'm simplifying things a bit much. There were other factors in play, but when they when that loan failed, that was the nail in the coffin for the company. And so the fact that Aptera has returned to the Department of Energy for funding. It's sort of it, it's coming full circle, but it, it also, you know, um, it's there. There are some flashbacks there into what happened initially for the company. Fortunately, this time around, Aptera is not entirely dependent upon that level of support or Department of Energy in order to get where it needs to go. This is it sounds like this is just one part of the overall financing and um, structure. If they're able to get that that funding, um, you know, this is that's very significant because it, it'll give them access to to debt capital as well as some other custom manufacturing options. That's what's available for the manufacturers of light duty vehicles who apply for these loans. And so it, it would also reduce their need for a high net worth individual or a group of individuals to come through and to provide that real jump in funding that's going to take Aptera to the next level. So a, a lot of work went into that. It will be interesting to see going forward, similar with the, the California Energy Commission grant that they received, that they're able to get that. I mean, if, if it's a funding program that's about you know high efficiency, fuel efficiency vehicles, there, there literally is not a more high efficiency vehicle on the planet than what Aptera is trying to do. So hopefully they'll be able to qualify and, and get that funding um, soon. Um, you know, the, the next part um, of this, of the clips that I'm going to show, there's there's really only two. They're from the Q&A section 
part of the webinar. Um, I I would strongly, if you haven't already seen the the overall webinar, I would encourage going to the Q and A section because there are a lot of really interesting questions that were asked and, and covered. I'm not going to go through them all here, but they they covered more questions about the vehicle wrap, solar durability in a hailstorm, the use of the Tesla supercharger network, future vehicle segments, and 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 more. So. What I'm going to start off with are, are really just two. Um, two. Um, the first one was an interesting question about the yoke steering wheel. Uh, will the steering yoke have variable steering influence at different speeds? Yes, the the rate of boost is 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 adjusted uh, by the computer and is proportional to speed. So you get maximum boost uh, in the parking lot when you're going slow, and I think virtually zero boost at high speed. So that's some in well for me that's incredibly exciting news. I I discussed this with the Lexus has a yoke steering wheel for one of their electric vehicles uh, or it's either Lexus or Toyota I, I can't remember I mean same company uh, but they have this exact same thing where there's a variable steering ratio where smaller movements at lower speeds result in and in a greater turning uh, radius and at the higher speed the more you need to move the yoke in order to turn the vehicle. And this is just a, a massive quality of life improvement over what Tesla did with their yoke, which required a lot of complicated hand over hand movement. That was a lot of things that, that was a key point that people complain about, where if you're expected to shift like this strangely shaped thing that has a significant gap, um, and you have to do it every single time you're parking the vehicle, it's just a, an, an added pain, and it doesn't necessarily outweigh the benefits of increased visibility of the of the I don't know gauges and clusters behind the steering wheel but what Aptera is doing is is they've they've basically taken the key lessons learned by others that are improving it 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 seems to have a more ergonomic shape and it's also the use of this this variable ratio will will greatly help um, or will just increase the overall usability of the yoke and so that that sort of that kind of answers all of my outstanding questions about it and, and concerns uh, going in. Hopefully, again, people will add some aftermarket parks will then um, aid people with disabilities in using that that half wheel. The last clip that I'm going to share is a really important question about the impact on supply chain and and or the impact of overall supply chain issues that that have been seen globally in recent years on the pricing of the vehicle. How has supply chain or inflation affected the Aptera price, comma, or will it? Um, yeah, the uh, supply chain was a bit of a nightmare last year for sure. Um, since we announced pricing in, in March of 2019, I mean, just inflation on most of the components that we have have gone up 30%. Um, so, you know, those things will be sorted out as we get closer to production and we sign master supply agreements with a lot of these suppliers. Uh, the big things that have been really variable is the cost of the battery cells. Mm. Um, you know, last year, um, you know, a lot of the manufacturers are seeing huge spikes in aluminum, copper, uh, and a lot of the materials that make the battery. So, and the battery is the most expensive thing in our bill of materials. Um, so, you know, we want to sign a master supply agreement with someone that feels comfortable with long-term pricing, and we feel that the picture of that has just totally changed in the last, you know, three or four months. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it was uh, it was a lot different conversation last year, um, and now we're having much more positive conversations with much more, um, you know, vendors about uh, future pricing. So, uh, we do think there are certainly impacts, um, and we'll advise on pricing 
warranty um, and all that as we get closer to production. Um, you know, but we uh, we think that that will take a, a, a while longer to sort out. Not a lot of surprises there and also not a lot of details on what they're anticipating those impacts would be. But the short answer seems to be that they're still, Aptera is still trying to figure out what their final pricing will be. And if you're like me and you're trying to envision or imagine, you know, what what is the likely, what's a reasonable estimate for a worst case scenario in terms of increased prices, which I do just, I feel like that's that's inevitable. My hope is that for folks who either order the launch edition or people who are part of the accelerator program, just some early stage people, they're locking in what those prices are and then and there will be price increases for those who come after. I do think there is going to be inevitable uh, discord and and people are going to be upset if there is, you know, you've got 42,000 people. If you increase the price of that vehicle that right now is looking like the most affordable vehicle on the road, people are just not going to, to be happy. So what what is reasonable? You know, I, I'm focusing on one component there where Chris said that some of the components have gone up by as much as 30%. So that's some, so that's not the entirety of the vehicle. You know, this is this is a real rough estimate, but for, for me, I'm just thinking, all right, well, what would that look like if the entire starting price went up by 30%? And that would take the 250, the 400, and the 600 mile range of Terra, that would take them up from $25,900, $29,000, and around $32,000. It would take it up to $33,000, Thirty-seven thousand and forty-two thousand, and again, th- those are just my predictions. But in my mind, if if Aptera is looking at a price increase of their components by thirty percent, unless they had some massive margins and they figured out how to get around that, I I've, I'm figuring that what we're looking at is somewhere between those prices thirty-three, thirty-seven, forty-two, and and where they're at right now. Um, you know, 25, 25, 29, and, and 32. So that, that's, that for me is, is the range. If, if they go beyond that, that is, um, that's going to be a, a, an incredibly tough pill to swallow. Right? You know, there's, there's a total cost of ownership that not having to fuel your, your vehicle, at, you know, Aptera is going to be able to lean on, on that pretty heavily. And I imagine that they are going to do that. They're going to point out like, well, we're lower maintenance. You're not going to have to fuel your car. Never charge. They're going to say all that stuff, but you know, if the price of entry is going to go up by around five thousand dollars on each of these vehicles, that's. Oof, I imagine people won't be too pleased. In any case, you know, I I highly recommend, it, especially the Q and A section. But you know, the whole presentation and it's you know it's about an hour long. I I would encourage you to to check it out. You know some great details that that we heard. Um, in in my mind, since they're, you know, they went into a lot about the steel and, and that is required for the molds for the composites. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that end of summer we'll start to see some some fully Delta production intent vehicles that that have used that, and and we'll we'll get to learn more about the vehicle.
And that concludes episode 111 of the AppDVs podcast. I hope you found this episode interesting. If you really enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend so that we can continue to grow the AppTerra movement. I also include my referral link in the show notes, which you can use for $30 off your $100 refundable deposit on an AppTerra. The AppDVs podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, etc etc if you have any questions or feedback including corrections please send those to app evs podcast at gmail.com thank you to os50 for the song movies and in the words of jeff canada think about what you put out into the world make it a better place 